Chris Singleton was playing baseball at, uh, at university, doing well. In fact, he ended up playing professional baseball. But on June the 17th, 2015, the unthinkable happened. His mother was murdered. Murdered by a crazed racist in downtown Charleston. His mother was leading a prayer meeting at the Mother Emanuel AME Church. Nine people were killed. It ended up on the news all over the world. And what happened next, we're going to meet Chris and talk to him about it. But what happened next, I remember watching this and thinking, how could you actually stand there and say this? Because on national, global news, Chris said this. He said, love is stronger than hate. And then he said, I forgive the man who killed my mom. How do you do that? How does that happen in your life? Chris went on from college and university baseball to play in the Chicago Cubs minor league organization and had a great career, but God began to use him to speak to students across the country. And today he's, a, he's an incredible speaker as he travels all over the world speaking to students about what love can do in their lives, why love is stronger than hate. He's been on ESPN and Sports Illustrated, CNN, USA Today. You probably have seen him. I am really thrilled today to have Chris Singleton on Brave Men. Remember, for all your needs for discipling men, for building men like a Chris Singleton, go to cmn.men, cmn.men, Christian Men's Network, and you'll find the tools you need to disciple men and build men like Chris Singleton. I, I am, uh, this man knocks me out. He, it's uh, not only in what he did at that moment. Think about the devastation, the stress, the pressure, and then microphones and cameras in your face. Just when you really, in your gut, want to say, I want to find that guy and do something to him. And he says, I forgive the man who killed my mom. Today, meet bravery and courage in action in the life of Chris Singleton. Today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. I'm talking with Chris Singleton. Chris Singleton is an inspirational speaker, travels and speaks a former pro athlete, baseball, uh, probably my favorite sport. And is also now an author of children's books. And Chris, take me back uh, June the 17th, 2015, because what a marking point in your life. You got a phone call. And uh, tell me about that and that moment. And we'll use that as a fulcrum point for us to talk about things, Chris. Yeah, well, um, I call that moment the unthinkable because mm. you never think something like that would happen to you yeah. until it does. Um, but I, I remember getting a phone call uh, about Bible study at my church and the lady on the phone, she said, Chris, you got to get down here to the church. Something bad happened. And so I raced to my church and uh, found out the unthinkables that my mother was shot and killed that night. And I found out that it wasn't just her, but it was eight other people that lost their lives based on the color of their skin. So that, that, that was June 17th for me. And I always categorize it as the unthinkable. You know, that's uh, June 17th, 2015. That was Emanuel Church in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, a man, basically a man uh, from, you know, with bent by demonic forces, does, does the unthinkable, shoots people trying to start a race war. 
you know, a man that's bent in his, in his world. And um, man, how do you, how do you respond? How do you, how do you, how do you spend that first night, Chris? How do you walk through that? Yeah. So the first night when there was, there was no sleep, obviously, um, yeah. you know, and I vividly remember my little brother um, because at the time my, my mom was, you know, taking care of me, my brother and my sister. And I vividly remember, you know, me going to bed next to my brother that night wow. and him crying the whole night. Um, wow. He was 12 at the time. And so, yeah, those things, you, you never forget that kind of stuff. And so for me, the first night was just trying to figure out how do we move forward? How do I, take care of my brother and sister you're oh because you're now you're in college you're playing baseball at charleston southern right correct and so uh, in fact you had a game that night i did have a game i actually had a summer league game that night um and the thing the thing was like i, I didn't go to bible study every single wednesday with my mom right because i played baseball and if i had a game i definitely wasn't going but it's 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 ironic that that game that night wasn't even supposed to be on that night it was supposed to be on okay. thursday and it got moved to Wednesday, and that's why I was um, playing ball um, the night that everything happened. So it was actually a baseball game about 40 minutes away. Your mom would have been um, – you would have been there with your mom. Your mom was uh, 45 years old at the time. And, you know, we hear this thing, and, and I guess all of us can remember the moment we heard about this tragedy. And nine people getting shot, nine people killed. Um, the unthinkable moment from hell. And all of us can remember that. What happens to us sometimes, and then what happened after that, and we'll get into that in a minute, but what happens to us is we we kind of look at the name, Sharonda Coleman Singleton, your mom, and uh, she was 45 years old. And we don't, we don't even, we don't really know the backstory. We don't know the, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's terrible that happened. But she was, uh, she'd been a, uh, Really, championship athlete, track star, right? Yeah, she was a college athlete, man. She full ride to go run hurdles at South Carolina State. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. She was she was strong, man. Just track champion. She was a, a coach, track, and she was a speech therapist. Yeah, so so the, the, the thing was, man, you know, I played professional baseball, but I, I didn't – I didn't beat my mom in a race until like the seventh grade. She wasn't, she wasn't having it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, that's she wasn't a, having that's that a great at all. memory, man. Oh, for sure. She was, she was quick, man. And for, for me, you know, in her life, it wasn't just that she was a former athlete, right? She wanted to pay it forward. And she did that. And she said, Chris, the only reason why I was able to win um, in high school and in college was because of my form. And so she said, now it's my, my duty to kind of share that with the next generation of how to have good form when it comes to track. You know, uh, that, that starts putting humanity to it, Chris, for me, you know, reading about your mom and reading some of her accomplishments and some of the things I, I went back. I mean, we're talking about some of the things you're doing now, the inspirational speaking, love is stronger than hate that came out of it the children's books you're writing. But I went back and started reading about your mom. And I thought, man, this, this woman was amazing. And obviously the other people, everybody had stories, but in particular, because you and I are talking, um, you know, a life cut short that was impacting so many people for good and for God. And there she is at, of all things at a Bible study. 
you know? Well, how do you, how do you do that the next day? How do you walk forward the next day? How does love become stronger than hate? Because dude, at that point, when I find out this is a, this is a, a man is white man, Anglo guy. He's, he's got nothing but, you know, hell in his heart, obviously the brokenness of this world. I, I think uh, anger would have just overwhelmed me. How do you, how did you cope with that? And how did you go forward and what happened next? Yeah. So initially, man, I, I didn't have time for anger at first. I was so wound up and what do I do for my brother and sister? Right. I think yeah. there wasn't a time for me to be angry at first. And I always say, I used to think that my mom kind of like had her hands on me, right. Saying the words love is stronger than hate. And then actually forgiving my mother's killer because at the time when I forgave him, I didn't know why he took my mom away. All I knew is that it was that he, 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 my mom was gone and he took her, took her away, right? I didn't know why or what the motive was. All I knew was that she was gone. Mm. And I said, I forgave him. And, and to be honest, I know now that God was using me in that time. But at the time I thought, why in the world did that just come out of my mouth, right? I, did, I didn't know. Wow. I had no clue. And so for me, that kind of, it was just words that came out during a, an interview. Yeah, no, I, just, I remember it. I yeah. remember seeing that. Yeah, it was just words that came out. And to be honest, I wasn't even supposed to have an interview. It was like, Chris, some people are at the college and they're waiting on you to be there is what my coach said. And I'm thinking, well, nobody told me I was supposed to be, you know, nobody told me I was supposed to be there. And so I get there, me and my uh, chaplain at my, at my, at my college, I went to Christian university. I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to these people. He said, Chris, let's just pray about it real quick. I think God's going to use you. And then boom, that those words, love is stronger than hate. So if we just love the way my mom would, the hate won't be anywhere close to where love is came out of my mouth. And the next, the next thing I know, you know, the next morning, you know, it'd been seen hundreds of thousands of times. Yeah. It went viral, Chris. And, and there's no question the Lord used you in a very powerful way in a very difficult moment. You know, a lot of us deal with things that nobody ever sees. And here you are, if you will, Chris, on the world stage, because this story went around the world. And, and then the reactions, and then the reactions of some of your other family members uh, from Emmanuel Church, the way they responded also was uh, stunning. The, the world doesn't understand that, do they? No, and it's hard for me to explain without sharing my faith, to be honest, because, yeah. I, and I have to do that quite often, to be honest with you, right? Yeah. And it's tough do to do. do yeah. But, you know, I, I think I know now why forgiveness was placed on me. Because it's not like I set out a road that I, I want to forget my mother's killer. It just happened. And now I know why it just happened. Um, because I know the power in forgiveness now. I don't think about my mother's killer anymore. I'm still upset about what happened. And it dedicated my life to, to yeah. kind of stopping it. But I don't have to think about what he's doing and where he's at, to be honest with you. Yeah. Wow. So forgiveness releases from our lives you know, if we will, uh, you know, forgiving somebody who's hurt us for releases us from the shame that can happen to us when we're abused, things like that. It can release from us anger. Uh, you know, you get from forgiveness things you can't get any other way. Justice wouldn't have solved it, would it? I mean, even if you get justice, you're still mad, right? Yeah, I think for me, to be honest, I, I, I didn't even, people would ask me, Chris, did you want, you know, the death penalty, this, that, and the third? And I, I was never focused on that. I was focused on how in the world do I take care of my brother and sister? On, I, they're yeah. in high school and middle school right now. What, what am mm -hmm. I supposed to do? Right. 
So I, I at first I didn't go to any of the trials because I'm saying, well, how is this going to help me in my life? It, it, I didn't, I wasn't searching for closure. I was searching for how am I going to take care of my family because I'm 19 years old now. I was 18, just turned 19. And I got to figure out how, you know, we put food on the table to be, to be quite frank. Yeah, of course. You know, it's amazing. Chris, I'm talking with Chris Singleton who uh, now is in it. You, you know, I, uh, I, a lot of people say, well, the, this person, that guy is a motivational speaker. I love the way you've twisted that. You're an inspirational speaker because you want people to walk away from the time you're with them inspired. I can do this. I can make it through life. And you actually yeah. do coaching, personal coaching too. Yeah. And for me, the reason why I don't say motivational speaker is because, you know, I don't scream and yell. I, I, I share my story. <laughs> I share my, I share, you know, what I've been through. I share how to be resilient. And I hope that people can change their heart, right? When they look at me and they may yeah. be from somewhere else or speak a different, like, I hope people change their heart. And that's really the mission. It's not about motivating anybody. It's about hopefully sharing a story of forgiveness, of love and bringing people together. And that's generally what the, the overall mission for me is. You know, in John chapter 20, verses 21, 22, and 23, Jesus, it's one of the appearances of Christ after his um, death, burial, and resurrection comes back to the disciples and he says, hey, uh, I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. It says he breathes on them. And he says, whoever you forgive will be forgiven and whatever sins you retain will be retained. And forgiveness releases stuff from our heart because if we don't release it, we end up with a heart filled with whatever that stuff is, right? Yeah, Yeah, and it's it's, it's very accurate. And to be honest, what what I've realized with forgiveness is a lot of the time people will say, um, if I forgive this person, I'm letting them off the hook is what put out here. Right. Wow. Yeah. Not, not realizing that when we forgive somebody, we're letting ourselves off the hook. We're, Come on. We're, we're finally moving forward in our lives. Right. Because that person may not have thought about it ever again, but constantly we're thinking about it daily. And so for me, I realized forgiveness maybe isn't always for the other person. Maybe it's for you to move forward in your life. And when people understand that, they then understand, OK, well, wow, forgiveness is empowering to me. Forgiveness allows me to be a great father, to be a great wow. husband, to be a great uh, son, so right? Good, it, it allows me to do those things because of forgiveness. So good. So good, Chris. You know, forgiveness just opens our heart to the to the potential of our life. And unforgiveness, well, well we all know it. We all know people. In fact, we've all experienced the fact that we didn't forgive somebody. And then we just kind of, it constrains us. It wears on us. And so you use this moment. Now you went back into baseball. You played some professional baseball in the Chicago Cubs organization. And yeah, I, I did. I did. So the, the funny thing is, like now when I go places, they automatically think that, you know, Chris is going to talk about sports, right? Because I right. played, got drafted by the Cubs. And I, I basically devoted my sophomore year of college. I said, you know what? Baseball is going to be my therapy, right? I wasn't going to therapy at first. Baseball was my therapy. And yeah. so I literally trained every single day more than anybody, probably more than it was healthy to be training. Yeah, right. But I but I did I, that. Yeah, I totally I totally get it though. Yeah, yeah. And that and that allowed me to kind of get an upper hand on, on on college athletes at the time when I got I was fortunate to get drafted. Yeah. Yeah. Played a couple of years. And then uh how do you end up moving into speaking? That's not necessarily, frankly, just because I love baseball and been around it most of my life. Uh, it's not necessarily what you think of in terms of when you think of baseball players. 
<laughs> speakers, right? Yeah. So, so for me, how'd that happen? The whole everything happened because I, I there was an E60. I'm not sure if you're familiar with like the ESP and 30 for 30s or the right. E60 oh, yeah. pieces. Yeah. There was an E60 on me and my mom and my story of love is stronger than hate. And after that happened, it aired and there were people everywhere saying, Chris, we got to bring you to my youth group, right? We got to bring you to my church. We got to bring you to my school wow. to wow. share your story. And at first it was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to get in front of people so they can stare at me for an hour. Right. What am I going to say for an hour? Like, I don't have that much to say. Right. <laughs> and one day I finally said, you know what? I feel like God's calling me to do this. The reason why I say that is because I said, I, ne- I didn't want to be a preacher. I always told my mom, I was like, I don't know how you do it, mom. How you go up there and preach? I, I, I don't know how I do, how to do your it. Mom, I didn't see that part. But did your mom actually get up and speak at, at different meetings at church and stuff? Yeah. So she, she was an ordained minister and she'd go to different, oh. uh, different churches and, and share, you know, the gospel oh. and all that good stuff. And I said, mom, I don't know how you do it. I don't, but I remember one day we had a, a men's group, like a, like a youth group at my church, I mean, at my, at my college at, at Charleston Southern. And the message was, you don't have to be a pastor to preach God's word. Wow. And I was like, Oh, that was God trying to give me a little gut check. Oh, come right? on, man! <laughs> and so I ended up taking, there's some, an organization that reached out to me to speak after I got an award. I initially said no, because they said, you got to give a 10 minute speech afterwards. You get the award. And I'm like, I gotta get, give a speech after I get the award. Like, why do I have to do that? And I, I eventually said, yes. I went down there. I spoke. I shared. Um, and after I got done speaking, a lady said, Chris, I don't know you know, what you're doing with your life now. I heard you're a baseball player, but you got to keep doing what you did tonight. Wow. And after that, I kind of said, you know, I'll just be obedient. And if I get the opportunities, then I'll I'll do it. And that was it's been, you know, four years, almost five now that I've been speaking. And God has definitely blessed it for sure. Well, there's no question about it, Chris. And I've, I've seen some of your videos. I'm talking to Chris Singleton. S-I-N-G-L-E-T-O-N and chrissingleton.com is where you can find uh, who he is, book him to speak at your uh, church group, you know, athletic event, whatever it may be, uh, because basically that's what you do. It's, it's funny, you can bomb, I'm never going to do that. And then it's like, that's what you do. And then you moved into writing for children and you've, you've got two books out now, children's books. One's called uh, Different. What's the other one called? The other one's called Your Life Matters. Yeah, Your Life, Your Life Matters. Matters. That's the newest one? Just came out. It sure yeah, did. It just came out. So I've got this one, and I thought it was great because it uh, it's beautiful artistry, very well done, but it's real life. It's like how people really live. And I thought you really captured that. And it's about a, uh, a young child. Well, I won't give it all away, but Different. A story about loving your neighbor is about a young child who doesn't feel accepted. And then, and then, and then now that what's crazy now, seeing the background of your mom, turns out she, you know, the, the, um, the student in here can run really well. Right. Yeah. And the teacher that tell, tells him he's beautifully and wonderfully made. That's yeah. my mom too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it, man. That's fantastic. I mean, and, and he finds, he comes from a different background than all the other kids, but, um, you know, he finds his place in the teacher, which is now, I see now as your mom, uh, is, is a great book. So those are available on chrissingleton.com. How'd you end up writing stuff like that? That's not, now you're moving a, a long ways from baseball now. You're right. So the reason why I started writing was, you know, 
to be honest with you, I get the opportunity to share with companies. I just shared with uh, Microsoft and some of their teams share with NBA teams, like the wizards, like the uh, uh, Timberwolves, right. I share these different organizations, a lot of colleges, but I said, it's not my place to share my story with little kids, right? I don't want to take it where their innocence, even though I want to teach unity and teach love, right? How do I do that without telling the kid my mom was murdered because she's black? I think that's too gory. And so kids book was a way to do it. And so Mm -hmm. I said, I know what I want the mission of of me writing books to be, right? It's about unity. It's about love. It's about coming together regardless of what we look like or where we're from. And then saying, okay, how do I put this into book form? for kids. And that's how this book came about. Um, and, and to be honest, I thought I would sell a thousand copies. I said, you know, if I sell a thousand, it'll be a huge win, but I think we're at 17,000 so far and, and they keep growing. So it's been a blessing. No kidding, man. That's fantastic. I, I stuff like that. I just get so fired up. I get so happy about that stuff, Chris, because Man, that's what it's about right there. And it's guys like you being willing to put it out there. And I mean, this is hard work because once this is written and it's in print, it's in print. Oh, like yeah. Every word that you said, and you're like, oh, man, it's it's uh, it's it's fantastic. So uh, I want to encourage people to get that. And it's something you can they can get uh, copies of, get a bunch of them, hand them out, give them to people. It'll help young people in particular, but I think that's fascinating. When you talk about, um, I don't know that it's my place to put in front of them something negative, but to put in front of them something that has a positive image, right? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I definitely don't, I don't shy away from telling my mom's story, right? but if I'm talking to an eight-year-old, right? Or a seven-year-old, I don't want to tell them, hey, mom was shot and killed because she's black. I want to tell them, hey, you should love people regardless of what they look like. And that's kind of what the, the overall message in my books will be, right? In my second one, Your Life Matters, kind of have that same thing, signal towards little black boys and girls to make sure they know how important they are to the world. But it teaches kids everywhere about black history. And uh, yeah, it, it's been phenomenal so far. <clears throat> Poor me. Man, that's that's fantastic. Now, here's the deal. Here's here's my my take on that is I... I believe there has been a uh, inordinate attack. And I believe, you know, when people talk about conspiracies and all that kind of stuff, I'm very much a conspiracist. But my conspiracy is the conspiracy of heaven against hell. And that the enemy has a conspiracy to take out young men. Um, I think there's been a specific attack on young men of color, in particular black young men. And, uh, you know, this is something that that men on our board, like uh, you know Dwayne Pickett in Jackson, Mississippi, and and uh, others who are friends, that particularly minister into urban areas, but we talked about a lot. There is a, it's almost like a um, a special assignment of a demonic enemy to take out young black men. And my thing is always, anytime you see an enemy trying to take out a, a specific other thing or person or part of what they're attacking it's because there's there's going to be something that comes out of young black men that could literally change the world i think some of the greatest evangelists will come out of our urban cities amen and and so i think that's why that's why there's a concerted attack i i'm just i'm fully uh fully convinced of that and for us in america 
to still, I don't know what it's like in Charleston. I didn't look at the stats, but for Fort Worth, where I live, to have 13 food deserts is, um, is absolutely uh, reprehensible in a nation uh, that has as much, that's as wealthy as we are. To have places in a food desert means you, you don't have fresh food within three miles or five bus stops. And so uh, to have, I don't know what Charleston's like, but I know in urban areas across the country, it's true. And I don't, I don't know, it doesn't always mean that it's uh, people of color, but it's, it just shouldn't happen. You know what I'm saying? It's like Navajo reservation, you know, where 36% of the people in the Navajo reservation in Arizona and New Mexico don't have running water. Wow. There's, there's certain inequities, Chris, that people like you standing up and inspiring others, I believe it takes men like you willing to, I mean, cause this is, this is like, you put yourself out here, man. You mean, oh, for you're, sure. you're out there off the, off the edge, off the limb. I'm just going to go do this. And you and your wife had to pray over it, commit to it. And um, it's not easy stuff. It's hard work. Yeah. You know, people go, hey, you're just up there for 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, they don't see the hours of, of work, the travel, the airports, the buses, the whatever it takes. Right. Yeah. So I want yeah. to continue for that, man. And I want to thank God for guys like you who stand up and speak like this and speak about, you know, uh, speak about what the what the word of God says about racial harmony. And it's what the word of God says about loving your neighbor. The love is stronger than hate. And we just have to have people that are willing to uh, stand up and speak. And I thank God for you, Chris. Well, thank you, man. And yeah, my, 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 me and my wife know, like I've been gone, right, 80 to 100 days a year for the last four or five years. Um, and so you talk about with the, with the little ones, tough. And so when I'm home, it's, it's full time. I'm, I'm home, home. I don't want to do anything else, right? I don't care. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I've been called to do this, man. My wife has been... Uh, more than amazing. She's been superwoman. You talk about a, a woman that I've been with since high school, right? My high school on, sweetheart. Really? Yeah, man. That's still a thing. That's still a thing. We're young. That's fantastic. That's, that's still a thing. We're high school sweethearts, man. She's been rocking with me for, for a while and we're going to rock to ever, forever. So she's everything <laughs> to me, man. And hey, what's your wife's name, Chris? My wife's name's Mariana. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So now, uh, when you speak about, uh, you've got a thing that you call numbers. Okay. Give me, give me that deal. You've got five numbers that mean something to you. Tell me what they are. Yeah. And for me, man, I always hear people say, Chris, you know, what's your why? Or they'll say, find your why. And I don't believe in that because I, I feel everybody's got the same why. Like everybody wants to, to make their family. Okay. Financially, right. Provide for your family. Everybody wants to make their world a better place. And so for me, I have something called a struggle moment that pushes me forward every single day. When I get tired on the road, right, when I miss my wife, my son, my, my, my little son on the way, when I miss them, my, my struggle moment is five numbers. It's one, it's 70, it's 50, it's nine, and it's one. There was one person, just one, that was mis misinformed and misled to hate Black people. And so what this one person did was he walked into my church and he fired over 70 bullets. Wow. And when he fired over 70 bullets, over 50 of those entered bodies in my church. Mm. And he took nine lives. And one of those lives happened to be the coolest person in the world to me. She was my mom. And so when somebody asks me about a why, I don't give them the why. I give them those 
five numbers because that's the reason why I get up in the morning and I work extremely hard to bring people together. It's not just because I, I want everybody to sit by the fire and sing Kumbaya. No, it's because it, what happened to me and my family, I don't ever want somebody to feel what I felt when my brother was 12 years old crying himself to sleep at night. Mm. So I give them people those five numbers as my struggle moment to push me forward every single day that I'm still breathing. That is so good, man. Now, when you talk about uh, racial reconciliation and the different things, and, and, you know, in some ways, for me, and I'm Anglo, for me, I look at what's, you know, kind of stirring and stuff. And, and we got a lot of young guys who write the news, you know, they're 25 and they go, this is the worst it's ever been. And I'm like, dude, you're not old enough to remember Watts. You're not old enough to remember Detroit 67. And, you know, but the fact is, is that it has, there have been a lot of, uh, it has come up and people are talking about race and people are talking about, you know, reconciliation. People are talking about these things. I think it's super positive. I think we have to have conversations. I think if any, any place has these conversations, it should be uh, the church. It should come out of the word of God and we should be the the peacemakers in all of this. And so uh, when you talk about this stuff, what, give me your thing. What do you, what do you hit people with on that, Chris? Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the church because I think the church, you know, we're leaders when it comes to bringing people together, right? And I, I think that's part of our mission. Our mission is to go out and spread the good news. And the good news is always coming together and loving one another, mm -hmm. right? So, so for me, when I go into an organization or a church, I talk about love. I talk about sharing your, your story before your opinion. And what I mean by that is if I automatically share you know, my opinion on a, on, a, on a subject without sharing my story, people stop listening, even people in the church, right? Because they, they're saying, oh, I automatically assume this or that about Chris or about his family because of the opinion he just shared. But if I share you my, if I share with you my story, then you may understand why Chris doesn't like guns, right? Because Chris lost his mom while she was praying. So it's pretty easy to see why Chris doesn't. But if I don't share my story before that, people may shut their ears off and don't want to hear anymore. And I also say with, with the church, I love it because we just have to teach. And it starts at home with us, to be honest with you. If we're not teaching our kids to love one another, no matter what they look like, then it's going to be very hard for them to go out and do the same to their kids. So what are we doing at home? What, we need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what? I need to be teaching my family to love because I didn't choose my skin color. I didn't choose my first language and neither did they. And when we go out and we teach our families that, I guarantee you, if we, if we the church do it, we'll lead the way in this thing of unity. And I promise you that. And I've already seen it, right? I've seen it happen where people say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with my family and my heart first because I need to work on myself, Chris. I've got some things that I think that maybe aren't the best. And when I work on my heart, then I can share that with my family. We go out into the world and we represent the church the way the church should be represented. So good, man. You know, uh, we didn't choose our color, but God did. And God placed Ephesians 2.10, he places on the earth with a purpose in mind. Every man has an identity, a purpose, and a uh, uh, community in his life, and a sense of uh, reason and purpose. And that's what uh, gets me fired up. See, I think the attack on the family has come particularly through fatherlessness. And mm -hmm. I think we see that in every part of our culture. Uh, last year, the, no, two years ago, the United Nations reported there were just over 220 million children worldwide that were abused, neglected, or mistreated. So that's, that's fatherlessness, man. 
And right now, 85%, 85% of the babies born in America this year will be born to men without any biblical worldview or basis, if you will, for right thinking. Wow, that's scary. Exactly. So we're in the midst of, of just absolute total chaos. And that's why we need men like you that stand up, speak, you're solid. Uh, you've been through it. You've got a, a you know, it's like your mom um, is a seed, you know, in the ground that, that springs forth this harvest in your life, Chris, and your, your brother and sister. And, uh, and, and it's a seed that forever will bloom. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a seed that will forever bloom. And I, and I thank God for Sharonda Singleton and her life and her legacy lived out in you and in her grandchildren and their children. Amen. Amen. And uh, man, that's where it's at right there. So, you know, when we pass on to heaven and yeah, because we live eternal life as followers of Christ, uh, we leave a legacy and um, you either just lived history and everybody kind of remembers you or you leave a legacy, which means you put something into motion. And Chris, I just thank God for you and putting something into motion and being willing to do it. And um, somebody would say, well, it came out of this event, but you know, you had to actually pick, pick up in a sense, say, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. You had to actually wake up the next day. You had to wake up the next day after that. And you had to lean into Jesus Christ. And, uh, and you had to do that, Chris. And so I salute you for that, bro. Well, thank you. And I'm sure you, you, you kind of feel the same way of, of having something you can, you know, pick up and lead them that, that God has given you. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so for me, it's just like, how can I steward this? Right. How can yeah. I make sure that yeah. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And, uh, and God, and, and, and me praying that God has just said here, this is the way that I, that we should be going. And I've just tried to be obedient and man, I've seen things that I could have never seen happen. Right. I see, I've seen people say, I forgive uh, my, my mother who left me when wow. I was two years old. Right. I forgive uh -huh. my biological mother. And I do that because, Chris, if you can forgive your mother's killer, I can forgive my mom, right, for wanting to be in my life now. So I've just seen God move tremendously through just trying to be obedient. There's the power of forgiveness. I mean, we have to think about this. The power of the cross is the power of forgiveness. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Roman, Romans 5, that, that, that even when we were, uh, King James's enmity, but even when we turned our back on God, we were at war with him. He still loved us. And the power of the cross is Jesus says, I forgive them, right? And then the power of the Christian life is that Christianity is the only faith that started with the words, it's finished. That's good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Which I love, man. It'd be like, it'd be like uh, you know, baseball. It'd be like the first pitch. It'd be like, it's over, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so anyway, hey, Chris, we pray for you and your wife uh, and – in your family and, and where's your brother and, and you had a little sister is that right yeah man so so like i mentioned before um not yeah. only did my mom pass my father passed about a year and a half after my mom did oh, okay. so it was it was me right it was me and my wife taking care of my younger brother and sister um and it was tough right because i was 20 at the time and they were in high school and they wanted to do whatever they wanted but god gave me strength through that time and uh, my, my brother still lives with me. He's about to play baseball in college next year. Fantastic. I'm super excited for him. He's Fantastic. a senior in high school. And then my sister is a junior in college right now. 
really? they're doing well. Good for you, Chris. Well done, man. Dude, I, I don't know if I was 20 and my little brother and I was his, you know, his parent, his guardian, and he's in high school, I'd just be like locking him in a room. <laughs> so like, hey, I want to do this. No, I already did that. It's not good. <laughs> right. That was, yeah, that was conversations I had with my sister a lot, but I'm thankful that God kind of took the reins like Chris you know, you, 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 you're okay because of me, she's going to be all right because of me as well. Yeah. Well, thank God for community. Thank God for Emmanuel church. Right. And thank God for awakened church where you're at now and the people that come around you, because it really is, it it does take community, man. 100% people that helped you all the way. So uh, what position, what, now what position did you play? Played center field. That's, that's what I love center field. That's what I did. I, because I couldn't do anything else. (laughs) <laughs> you were actually a really good player. You got drafted. So uh, played center field. What's, what position does your brother play? He plays shortstop and center field. So he plays short and center. Okay. Short and center. Okay. So he's got, so he's got an arm. Yeah. He can throw it a little bit. Yeah. You can't do, you can't play short and center without that. And uh, so you could hit. I can swing it a little bit. I always tell him he's still trying to be- beat my records in high school this year. So is he? <laughs> always- is he? Yeah, he's trying. We'll see. We'll see. Come on, man. We got to we got to root for him. You got to root for him. <laughs> I sort am. of. I mean, I mean, you got the brother thing. You know, you got the brother thing going. Oh no. So uh, yeah. Well, we pray. Right. We just pray he he gets the right stuff. The right things happen to him. The right goes in. I mean, Joseph was in prison, and the Bible says he still had favor with God. And so we pray for favor for your, your little brother, man. That that would be a wonderful story. And, I, you know, your mom would be so proud of you, Chris, and, um, and of, of what's happened and how you guys have navigated this because so many uh, people wouldn't have been able to do this. And so God gave you a special grace, man. And I'm really proud of you, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, uh, so we pray for you and pray that everything your hands touch will prosper and every place you put your feet will be holy ground and that the Lord will keep you and your wife and, and your growing family deep within the grip of his favor and grace. Chris Singleton, God bless you, man. Thank you, brother. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.man.